I think that living deliberately and being in the moment is the key to being creative. Because if you really think about it, anything around you right now can spark an idea in your head. And you can build an entire project, a story, anything around one object. You are now listening to We Are Crayons, the podcast. Extraordinary conversations with Trinidad and Tobago's creative thinkers and makers. We'll delve into their processes, their struggles, and what drives them to execute continually as creative individuals. I'm your host, Dano McNichol. Enjoy. This podcast is a production of A Big Box of Crayons. Please review and rate the show by going to podchaser.com slash podcast. You can help support the show by buying us a coffee or two at buymeacoffee.com slash wearecrayons. And this is We Are Crayons, the podcast. And today, I am so happy to be speaking with Zena McDonald creative director, and is now pursuing becoming an expressive arts therapist. I'm really interested in finding out more about that. So, Zena, <laughs> welcome. Thank you. Hi. <laughs> so tell me, Zena, what is exactly expressive arts therapy? Expressive arts therapy is a mixture of the arts and therapy and combining those two things together. So it can be any of the art forms, whether it's drama, dance, music, art, and it goes very broad as well. And so it's basically a form of helping people express themselves through the art in order to find solutions to any issues they might be having through a therapeutic technique. What made you want to do this? So it kind of found me. I never thought that there would be something that would exist where you would connect psychology and art. And I've always been very interested in people and interested in researching mental health. And obviously, I've been interested in the arts as well from a very young age. And so I found it on the internet, and now I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes that's the road. We have to travel, and things find us, I guess, at the right time and the right place when we're ready for it. I want to ask you then, Zina, what was your childhood like, and how did that influence who you are now? Me as a child, I would say that I was very much interested in the arts as a whole. I was obsessed with Broadway and I watched musicals from a very young age. So I've always been interested in singing, dancing and acting. At some point I thought that I wanted to be a teacher, but I think the dream never truly strayed from wanting to be on stage and having that feeling of performing. I would say that my childhood had a lot of people who influenced me in positive and negative ways. And I guess looking back on it now with what I'm studying, I could see how I've developed and things that I need to unlearn um, from childhood. What are some of those things, if you can articulate that for me? I've always been a very sensitive person. So from very young, if anybody was in a room with me and they were talking too loud, even if they weren't talking to me, I would cry. And I always thought, oh gosh, I'm so sensitive. Like I would cry if somebody asked me a question and I didn't know the answer. So I was extremely, extremely like emotional. And I still think that I'm very much emotional, but I think I understand it a bit better. Rather than just saying I'm sensitive, I think I understand that 
I am empathetic and I feel a lot more than other people. And that might be a contribution towards why I am who I am and the art that I mean, things that I do. Definitely. And those things are innate in you and they will serve a purpose. And I guess I don't yeah. know if, if that helps drive you towards wanting to do therapy, because that's in large part you know, showing empathy towards others and, and trying to help others probably overcome even the things that you realize in yourself. Yeah, I think definitely it's connected. I think that from young, I realized too that I was using art, as you say, as a form of, of therapy for myself to get through whatever it was I was going through as well. So definitely connected. So apart from that, then how do you describe yourself as a creative person and the work that you do? As a creative person, I would say I'm very spontaneous. A lot of my ideas are not always completely fleshed out. I do things on a whim a lot, and they tend to be the most honest, I would say. Especially when I dance, I usually use freestyle in order to build my choreography. And I think that natural movement is the most honest and pure movement that you can find because it's coming directly from your body. And so it's seeing something that's within you already. So I would definitely say my style is very people, human oriented. And I've noticed over the years that I attach colors <laughs> to people and colors to ideas. So my, my projects are always very colorful. That's interesting. And forgive me for not mentioning that you're also a dancer. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about you know, finding or attaching colors to people. How did you get to that point? I think it started when I was in UTP. I had to do my senior thesis and they asked us to build a 10-minute choreography. For some reason, I found this connection between human movement, emotions, and colors. I wanted to figure out how I could connect these things and make sense of whatever it was in my head. I found out that that was called synesthesia. And it's an actual mental disease that people get where they connect things that don't necessarily connect. So yeah, like you might see the color yellow and you might taste something in connection with that color. So I've found myself connecting things that don't connect throughout my projects, which would be colors and people, and I guess human movement and emotions, which I guess they do connect in some way. <laughs> That's really interesting. Does it translate into to, to other things other than dance? I don't know, actually. I think a lot of the times we aren't even aware if we do have it. I think maybe at differing levels, we might all have synesthesia to some extent, because we might connect a number to a color. Maybe it comes up in your head. I don't know if it's connected to other things in my life, though. But it is something to think about. And do you think then that your creative ability or how you express yourself creatively, do you think it's all innate or did you have to kind kind of like cultivate the things that you do? I think it's a little bit of both. I think foundational, it would be innate in me to do specific things. But there would be things that I would probably pull out of myself or pull from other places and build that don't necessarily come to me naturally. Yeah. And how would you define creativity, Zena? And what does that mean to you? Creativity is anything and everything that comes from nothing. <laughs> and to me, I think it is a way of learning more about myself and building who it is that I would like to be or who I see myself as. I also think it's a means of understanding others and developing as a person through life 
in a way that's meaningful. In terms of you expressing yourself creatively, can you pinpoint that moment when you said, yes, this is how I want to, you know, live my life and and express myself? I think it definitely started from a very young age where it came and it just kind of kept reoccurring. So there might be moments where I feel like, oh no, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? But then it'll always come back to me knowing that this is what I want to do. Being a dancer, is that something that you started at a young age as well? Dance was actually the first thing that I started. Out of all of the arts, I started dance when I was three. And I started with ballet. And then I moved on to many other styles as I got older and settled in contemporary in my teens. And I think that contemporary is really a part of me now. What role did your parents have in you developing yourself as a creative I think definitely my parents have been very supportive in my choices in terms of dance and doing theater and even my master's degree. Um, My dad wasn't very supportive of my bachelor's degree, um, but he didn't know that. So so the story goes that I signed up for UCC, Napa, and I was going to school for about two weeks. And two weeks and my dad is dropping me to school and then he's like, why are you coming here? Are you doing a show? I was like, no, I go to school here. <laughs> and he's like, what? You go to school here? I was like, yeah. So he didn't really know. Because like, if he knew, he would have probably made me do something else or do form six. I don't know. Um, but he's been supportive now of my choice for expressive art therapy. I think he sees the value in it. You're also a creative director at an advertising agency. How has that journey been? I mean, it's an interesting journey, honestly, because to some extent, I feel like I was always in the role of creative directing. Only recently, I think it was solidified, okay, this is the role. This is the role that you're going into, you reach. <laughs> um, but along the way, I've always had like a very wholesome input in terms of creativity and wanting to be a part of, like, let's say, a pitch or putting together a big project or a campaign. And I really built my way up because I started as a freelance social media manager. I barely knew anything. I taught myself whatever I know. And now I'm creatively directing a team of graphic designers and animators and working for big brands. And I know a lot about media now. I could place ads in newspapers, radio ads, TV production. So it's been a lot. (laughs) And I'm really grateful for it. I think it's made me so much more of a strong person. And though I have that sensitive side, I think it's built up the strength for me to push forward in times when it's pressure. (laughs) If you are enjoying this episode, please leave us a review at podchaser.com slash podcast. You can support the show by buying us a coffee or two at buymeacoffee.com slash crayons. Follow us on Instagram at a big box of crayons. And now back to the show. In terms of your ability to deal with tough situations within that role, how mm-hmm. do you deal with difficulty? Was there a time that you felt, okay, I need to give up? This is not what I want to do. I'm going back to dance. How did that go? I think, I feel like I ended up in the job that I'm in right now. I think it just came to me, just like school. Um, And I think it's a stepping stone towards 
I guess, the building up of my strength as a person in order for me to, you know, find boundaries, find ways to gauge um, how to handle situations. And I think that it's developed me so much to a point where I'm not bothered by by the stress of it to some extent because I've learned to set myself up in, in a way that ensures that I am comfortable still and I can maintain my sanity. <laughs> so I've been through some very difficult times in terms of anxiety, a very bad anxiety. And so I'll be staring at a screen whole day, then I'll come home and stare at a screen to do schoolwork. <laughs> and I don't think that really helps. Um, and I think that might actually be the most difficult times in my job, not even the stresses of the actual work, you know? <laughs> Mm-hmm. And what kind of techniques do you use to keep yourself in a balanced state? Because it's not easy for everyone to be able to manage that level of stress. I want to point out to the listeners that you are pretty young and you are wearing some big shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so how, what, what are you doing really? Are you meditating? Are you, you know, listening to self-help stuff? What are you doing mm-hmm. to kind of get you to that place? I think honestly, I'm still figuring it out. But if I were to say what I'm trying to do right now, I would say that I'm trying to set routines that make sense that are not overbearing. So what I used to do is like set alarms and reminders and all this chaotic stuff and it was overwhelming and it just made everything worse. But now what I find is that if I am present and I stay in the moment, that things are not so bad because within each moment there's time to breathe, there's time to think about what you're actually doing right now. If it is that I'm moving my hands or I'm just looking at something and reading it. So I think really trying to stay in the moment is the most important thing that I've been working on. And it's so hard. Like you're never really in the moment unless you actually try to be. I'm so glad you explained that staying in the moment for you, it's about noticing, okay, I'm moving my hands. I'm picking up this glass. I'm going to drink some water. Mm-hmm. You feel the sensation of the water going into your, Down, mouth, yeah. down your throat and all of that and that's what you're referring to about being in the moment that's so yeah that's 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 so powerful and so where did you learn that though i actually learned this from acting class from raymond chukong and he always said to live deliberately and i think that's the most impactful thing that anybody's ever said or tried to teach me and i think that acting in itself is living deliberately and so I would recommend anybody do an acting class. I think that it would really elevate yourself in terms of who you are and your growth and where you want to be. And how do you then get yourself in a creative state of mind? That's a difficult one. I think that living deliberately and being in the moment is a key to being creative. Because if you really think about it, anything around you right now can spark an idea in your head. And you can build an entire project, a story, anything around one object, even if it is headphones, you know? So I think it's really like sitting in a moment and not trying to be creative, but looking at the surroundings that you're in or all the things that are in your mind and building off of that. So then would you say then that your creativity comes easily or is it something you have to struggle through? I might have answered this question differently like a couple months ago. 
in that I might have said that I struggle, but now I think that it is very much easy for me to put myself within that space due to this idea of living deliberately and being in the moment. Like if you were to ask me to tell a story now, I would pick something, you know, it wouldn't bother me. It wouldn't hurt to find something to talk about. How then do you move from that? spark in your head we just mentioned that your headphones could give you inspiration it's easy for you to just think of a topic and tell a story about it but from a functional standpoint how does that actually work for you i should say like going from spark to a i have a process maybe Mm -hmm. and my process is figuring out what the main idea is or what the object is. So like, let's say it's a ball and I then write it down. The first step towards any project, any idea, any dream or goal is to write it down. And then I will follow through with asking myself questions. What is it? Why? (laughs) How? What do I want to do with it? Where is it? What color is it? Asking questions to yourself and asking the object or the person or the idea questions is very important to creating and building that creative project or whatever it is. (laughs) In terms of of actually using that as a practice and speaking to the thing or the idea, it's almost like, okay, idea, so what do you really want to be? What are you? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's almost like that. It's actually a therapeutic technique now thinking about (laughs) it. It's a whole technique. (laughs) Oh, you see, you're heading down the right path. So how then do you deal with, or have you experienced, I guess, what we would call a creative block? Is that something that you experience? And and if yes, how do you get past it? I think I thought that in the past that I had creative blocks and I thought that it existed. It's also probably very harsh for me to say it doesn't exist. But based off of the idea of having so many things to choose from, I think that it's almost impossible to be creatively blocked. It's not really a creative block. It's more like you're blocking yourself in some form. That makes sense to me because based on what we've been saying is if we live deliberately, Mm -hmm. we can experience creativity through anything that that we do. Yeah. And from that standpoint, there's no blocks, there's no... There's nothing but yourself, yeah. So is it that you've always wanted to express yourself creatively, though? I think I think about that a lot. I don't want to ever have to do something where it's not fun. And I think creativity is so fun and it's so inspiring that you you almost can't avoid it. So I, I almost feel as though anywhere I go, I would turn it into something creative. Even if it doesn't necessarily ask for that, I would turn it into something creative. And going from where you started to now, would you say that you've had to sacrifice anything to get to where you are now? Hmm. I've definitely sacrificed a lot of my time, which I guess is like necessary. You have to sacrifice time to do things. It's always passing. But when I say I sacrifice my time, I mean, like, I dedicate myself so passionately that I don't think about anything else. I focus in so much on what it is that I need to do and what it is I want to do that it takes up my whole mind. (laughs) So I guess I've sacrificed anything else possible to do what I'm doing and to go in the direction I'm going in. And what helps you persevere and not quit or give up? Hmm. The first things that come to my mind would be the people 
that I have around me. I think I have a good group of friends who are encouraging. So like if I have an idea, they would give me feedback. They would talk to me about it. They'd ask me how it's going. And other than that, I think YouTube, the internet, research, books, strolling on Instagram and Twitter and everywhere. I think all of that keeps me inspired. I think I try to pull inspiration from a little bit of everything. So then would you say then the influence of others has a huge part to play on your creativity or how you express yourself creatively? To some extent it does, because nothing is truly original. I think everything comes from something or is connected to something in some form. And so I would say that I am very much inspired by other people or things. And what about acceptance about your ideas? How, how do you deal with that type of thing? If it's done, I think I'm pretty persistent in dance to try to help other people maybe understand where I'm coming from with what I've created. I I don't think that it bothers me if people don't like my art. I mean, maybe some people might bother me if they don't like my art. Like if I care about them and they don't like it. It comes to a point where where you just kind of have to let go. Talk about it. I try my best to keep those things separate, to try to not allow things to bother me because art is so personal as well. It can't really be judged, even if it is. So I try not to let it bother me. Have you ever doubted your talent? A hundred times. I feel like I have many, many times. And I think everybody does to some extent. But that's okay. I think that's all a part of the process. But how do you work through that doubt, though? Has it ever crippled you in any way? Yeah, I think it has at some point, honestly. (laughs) I think when I doubt myself, I procrastinate. Or I try to do things perfectly, and perfect doesn't exist. So that just makes things even more difficult. How do I get around that? I talk to someone, I try to hear their perspective on, on maybe what it is that I'm trying to do to see if I'm just overthinking it, which I usually am. And if I, I don't have anyone that I necessarily want to talk to about this, I would probably go and cry and just let out and journal and go back to So at this point, do you think you have in your mind what your ultimate creative goal is? I had this whole exhibition planned. It's a dance exhibition mixed with art, and it ties back in this idea of synesthesia and colors and humans and emotions and psychology. That would be my overall creative goal if there was anything so magnificent that I would probably be aiming for. You mentioned that you got a great piece of advice from the late Raymond Chukong. Mm-hmm. Are there other individuals that you look up to from a creative standpoint? Definitely. I would say Abeo Jackson, for sure, in terms of dance. I've grown with Abeo because I worked with her on many productions since I was very young, and I feel like she's really input her confidence within me. Other than Abeo, I would say... Other people that really inspire me would be Omar Jara, his art. I'm there with him on his whole journey, and I'm always inspired by him, and he always helps inspire me too. Other than that, I'm pretty sure there's like tons more. I'd probably mention Willow and Oak. I feel like Willow and Oak as a brand is an aesthetic that I'm striving for in terms of my look as me. (laughs) And I think that she doesn't even know. But I I really admire all the work that she's done with her jewelry and her clothes. And I think that it's inspired me so much over this last year. And it's helped me develop a lot. If there was one message, Zena, 
that you would leave with the world, what would that be? I think it would definitely be to live deliberately. What would you like to be most remembered for, though? The way that I made people feel. Mm -hmm. I think it was Maya Angelou who said that people would forget what you say, you can forget what you do, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. So yes. I think you have it. a very important <laughs> thing, yeah. Well, as we look to wrap up, Zena, can you share with us where people could connect with you online, whether it's on your Instagram? Sure. My Instagram is just Zena, and that's not like at Zena, it's like at J-U-S-T-V-A-Y-N-A. <laughs> I don't know, I feel like Instagram is my most used social media network. I also have TikTok. My name there is Zuzu the Zena, which is Z-U-Z-U, the Zena. So Zena, I want to thank you very much for taking the time out of your day to chat with us. Thank you. I'm Zena McDonald, and in a big box of crayons, I would be Mustard Sunset. Please share this episode with someone who would find it valuable. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts to get new episodes as they become available. Find additional content on abigboxofcrayons.com. Follow us on Instagram at abigboxofcrayons. We Are Crayons, the podcast, is a production of A Big Box of Crayons. All rights reserved. Until next time, remember, we are all the same in the fact that we'll never be the same. Stay colorful and thank you for listening.